you can bog yourself down and a lot of advisors bog themselves down getting too technical trying to find the technical answer too when really the answer lies more in our behaviors and our planning than it is finding some technical you know investment solution to that problem Welcome to Leaving the Job, the premier financial podcast for firefighters. Hosted by Scott Osborne, a seasoned retirement coach at Patriot Wealth Planners and an esteemed 18-year Army veteran. This show responds to the unique challenges and opportunities that firefighters face in retirement planning. Each episode offers strategic advice, shares inspiring stories, and provides guidance to help you achieve a confident and secure retirement. Join us as we explore the path to a fulfilling retirement for those who've dedicated their lives to serving others. This is Leaving the Job with the Firefighter's Advisor, Scott Osborne. This is Leaving the Job, the premier financial podcast for firefighters with Scott Osborne, the Firefighter's Advisor at Patriot Wealth Planners. If you got some questions, need some help, find Scott online at retirefirefighter.com or call osborne.com, whichever one works for you, retirefirefighter.com or call osborne.com. Scott, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Living the dream. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, uh, doing the same thing. My, uh, my my team's doing okay this year, so hopefully uh, whatever team you happen to be into. Are you more college guy or more NFL guy? I'm definitely more of a college guy. You know, I grew up in uh, Toledo, like we talked about. Yep. Huge rivalry town with Ohio State, Michigan. Not being from the area, mm. I decided to hate both teams. Okay, Notre okay. Because the gold helmets on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're, we, we love going out there for a game once or twice a year uh, with the girls and um, huge Notre Dame fan. And NFL, it's on every Sunday just because we love the sound of football in the house. So um, we still watch it, love the playoffs and the Super Bowl and everything, but don't don't follow it quite as close. Well, I'm a, I'm a long suffering Lions fan, so it is oh, it is what it is. Uh, but they've been you know they've been making some some good moves the last couple of years, so hopefully yeah. they will continue in that direction. But um, anybody who's who's followed the Lions for any length of time knows what I'm talking about. It's you know there's some <laughs> there's some teams that well I mean Browns fans as well, right? Long suffering, so. Oh, yeah. It is what well, it makes, it is. if it makes you feel better. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. Okay, uh, when it comes right. to NFL, so yeah. I'm I'm with you. Long right suffering as well. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit since we're talking football. Let's talk about the financial red zone on this episode of the podcast. Uh, let's just identify first of all. As like I said, I'm pretty sure it was Prudential back in the '90s that might have coined this term. But either way, what is the financial red zone, Scott? Yeah, financial red zone is really that last ten years before you retire uh, to that first five to 10 years after you retire. Yeah, think about the 20-yard so, line, right? Same thing. You got it. Yeah. You got it. I mean, 10 and 10, it's it's that 20-year period kind of leading up to and after that uh, moment of leaving the job. And think about that too, right? The after. That's sometimes maybe the point that some professionals might not focus as much on, depending on the kind of person that you're working with or the kind of a firm that you're working with, it's not just about getting to retirement, right, Scott? It's also getting through it. And there's those first five, even up to 10 years, can be really crucial. Uh, there's things like there's different how you're pulling the money out from when you're pulling it out, sequence of return risk. That's what I was looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a big thing, right? So that's something that you're, you're going to want to pay attention to. So that's why it's not just the, the time leading up to it, but it's also getting to it, but it's getting through it. Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the common things we see here is – you know, somebody will come in with a spreadsheet and they're like, Hey, you know, I got a million bucks 
and I'm showing just a level 6% return and I'm showing myself pulling 5% out. And so this will be fine uh, for a 30-year retirement. Mm -hmm. And I agree on that spreadsheet, that'll be fine. Um, unfortunately, that's just not the way the real world works. So, you know, a lot of these conversations focus on on the averages mm -hmm. of how the market averages over time. Okay, gotcha. that's fine. That's good information to have. But again, when we just make it linear on some spreadsheet, we ignore the reality of the volatility that the market and the economy sees. So, I mean, if you retired in 2006 and you watched your, you know, nest egg get cut in half through the recession, that's a lot different than retiring in 2010 where you watched, you know, really the the US stock market go on a 12-year bull run. Right. I mean, yeah. those are two very different scenarios where at the moment of retirement that person's situation was the same. Uh, but the outcomes are are hugely different. Um, so again, it's kind of hard to capture on just a, a very simple spreadsheet and, you know, you can bog yourself down and a lot of advisors bog themselves down getting too technical, trying to find the technical answer too, when really the answer lies more in our behaviors and our planning than it is finding some technical, you know, investment solution to that problem. Yeah. And you might've heard me say, folks, the sequence of returns risk, and, and really that's just the the negative market returns occurring later in, in retirement or even in the first or, or later working years, I should say, or the early years of retirement, which can certainly cause significant financial setbacks. So it's about having a good strategy because again, we want to retire in any economy, right? So you don't get to pick necessarily. We talked on, on the getting to know you podcast, uh, Scott, about your dad, you know, around that 2007, 2008 window, right? Pretty tough for a lot of folks, obviously, right. uh, you know, 50% down in a lot of places for things. So retiring then versus retiring three years later, hugely different outcomes for people, especially in those first early years, or even let's get even closer, uh, you know, retiring 2019, right? For example, the market was, you know, did fantastic versus retiring in, uh, well, even 20 or 21, all three years were fantastic versus a 2022, which wound up being down, especially if you were tech heavy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were tech heavy, you, you watched your stocks, you know, explode in 2020 and 2021. And then if you took all that and built a plan around those numbers and then retired, I mean, you watched your portfolio get cut by 40% in, in 2022. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, again, there's a lot of math, a lot of technical analysis that you can do through all that. But to your point, the sequence of when am I getting good returns versus bad returns mm -hmm. has a huge impact uh, when we start withdrawing money out of the accounts, uh, it's got a huge impact yeah. on the the total return and and ultimately the the outcome that can come to that uh, investor and that yeah, retiree, especially in the financial red zone. So again, we want to pay attention, and and that's going to lead me into my next question here. We we kind of just touched on some of that. So what are some other big reasons to pay attention uh, to this particular point in life, Scott, in the financial red zone? I mean, obviously, one I would think is this is the clear and simple answer is we just don't have as much time on our side. Time is no longer on your side. I mean, that's like the bullet point that I would really wrap my mind around. Right. But it's kind of hard because people can they can focus too much on that as well um, and forget that even if I'm 55, there is an 85 year old version of me, hopefully, probably <laughs> right. that feels like the 55 year old is pretty young and, yeah. and would say, well, don't go to all cash and all bonds. And don't forget, I mean, don't forget about me. The 85 year old yeah, you is waiting. Don't right? forget about me. I, I need some money to live off of too. And by the way, over that time frame, how much more expensive has that cost of living turned out <laughs> yeah, to be pretty exactly. expensive. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely 
a lot of risk early in retirement from negative returns negatively impacting you. So you got to have a plan to be able to take those negative returns um, and not have it impact your plan. Yeah. Now, I'll also say that, you know, if you make mistakes, I mean, and I hate to pick up my dad, but if you have an advisor or a plan that, you know, you do have a mistake come out of that, it's it's a lot more difficult to recover from when mm-hmm. you're in that red zone. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it, it manifested for my dad having to work an extra seven years. There you go. I got to recover, you know? Yeah. And so did it kill him financially? No, but he missed a lot more stuff as grandpa than yeah. he needed to. He wasn't happy about um, it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if he would have had a good plan, I think that was, you know, he thought he had a good plan. He thought it was being managed and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there were some, I think, behavioral things that came out where, they didn't stick to a certain plan. And and so ultimately, again, not to rehash all that from the last episode, but that's a big reason why I got into all this because it was a lack of leadership on the, the planner's part and there was no coaching and no guidance. You know, when that happens, you don't have as much time to recover and you have to do other things to, to make up ground. So um, whether that's work longer or save more or whatever the case may be. So it's important when you're in that red zone that you get very, very... Uh, I don't want to say cautious where I'm all in cash, but you get very intentional with how your dollars are allocated so we can manage the risk appropriately. Yeah. And we're certainly going to talk more about risk and, and certainly diversification and all these different pieces as well as we move through more episodes of the podcast. And as a fiduciary, and, and we'll explain what that means as well for those who don't know, um, you know, it's something you're you're talking about is is that accountability, that coaching to, to make sure you're staying ahead of these issues because we don't have time on our side, right? It's just obvious. It's a fact of life. It is what it is. Uh, taking a 40% hit when you're 40, let's say. So for folks that got, you know, got beat down by the uh, the financial, the Great Recession, whatever it was they called it, the financial housing problem in 07, 08, 09, if you were 40, it sucked. Yeah. But it would have sucked a lot worse if you were 60, right? So... It's, you know, time is just not on your side. 20 years later, now you're older, you know, you're looking to make sure you retire the right way. So, and I mentioned the fiduciary thing, Scott. What is that for folks who aren't sure what that is? Yeah, I mean, the the very easy way I describe it is the actual definition, which is somebody who is doing something in your best interest, Mm -hmm. period. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. It's a funny concept, especially in the financial services industry where, you know, you have to do the, the right things for your client. You have to put your client's needs above your own all the time, right? And you think, dude, when I got in the industry, I'm like, how is that not? How is that not the norm? (laughs) It blew my mind. I'm like, so when I started studying for all the exams and everything, I'm like, so there's people out there who can manage other people's money that don't have to do it in their best interest. Yeah. And that's the suitability. Yeah. That's the suitability standard. Yeah. Suitability standard. Yeah. Dude, that's some freaking BS that that even exists. Yeah, and so I guess to break so it, it down yeah. for for folks to think about it this way, if if you go in to see a financial professional and they have three options in front of them that they could recommend to you, and they're all three technically suitable for your needs, that meets that standard, if that makes sense, if that kind of explains a little bit for you. Uh, but they could pick the one that maybe benefits them a bit more economically or whatever uh, than the fiduciary standard, which is, you know, you have to do the absolute best thing for the client, period. Uh, and again, why that's not the norm in all businesses, I, I, I make this analogy all the time, Scott. Um, it should be the same thing in every business. I don't want to go in to see my mechanic because I'm having a problem with my wheel. And he says, yeah, I fixed it suitable enough. You know, I was like, no, if I'm doing 75 miles an hour, I want to know that Joker's not going to fly off, right? <laughs> so, dude, Yeah, I mean, it's the discussion of good enough versus best for you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so. there are clients we turn away 
because it's best for them to do business with someone else. There you I mean, go. that's a fiduciary duty. There you go. I don't want to go to a doctor who writes me a prescription that gets a kickback on the script. Right. You know, Boom. I don't want a doctor who's going to say, this is what's best for you. There you period. go. Man, I like this already. Good stuff. So I know we deviated just, but I wanted to explain to folks what that was because we had talked about it a little bit before as well. So back to the red zone here. So again, time's not on our side. Mistakes are more difficult to recover from. Paying attention here in the red zone. Uh, what are some of the classic mistakes that people obviously do make in here? It's got to cl- it's clearly it's got to be the risk factor, right? We just talked about it. If you've got way too much at risk, like if you're if you're investing or doing something the way you did it at forty and you're now 59 and retirement's around the corner, have you bothered to look at your you know, risk allocation? Have you bothered to look at how you have things set up? Or are you just doing things the same way you did? It may not be the best move, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and there's a couple common ones. I mean, first one, taking too much risk. The second one, not taking enough risk. And then the third one, I would say, is you know not having a plan and the behavior and discipline to stick to the plan. Mm. So just kind of breaking those down, you know, when we talk about taking too much risk, this might be somebody who's in 100% stocks uh, or they're in, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe individual stocks that they are in love with that have had good returns for a couple of years. And so there's some kind of diversification things that we need to do there. Um, the other thing, you know, that I, I kind of look at it as like a safe bucket and a growth bucket, like, hey, we need to have some contingency plans. I mean, if, you know, working in the military, working in the corporate world, and I know our, our folks out there in police and fire, you are always doing contingency planning for, okay, here's the plan if things go right. What if things go wrong? I mean, we have to plan for if things go wrong. I mean, it's like the old Tyson quote, everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the face. So <laughs> right. when we get punched in the face, what are we going to do? Yeah. And so we got to have a enough out of the market on the sidelines where when, not if, but when we get punched in the face, we can stick to that plan um, because we know it's part of the plan. Exactly. Um, but but I think, you know, the the not taking enough risk, and I think this discussion is so good when we talk about risk, right? I mean, what is risk? Let's we would do a whole podcast on that. I mean we probably will. We're in, we probably will, you know, but when we talk about investing in the world's best companies, yeah, I know they're gonna have some short term ups and downs in their prices, but I mean, if like we got 150 years of data that that really give us some confidence that it's not that risky in the long run to invest in these companies. I mean, it's much riskier to not invest with them and let inflation just eat us alive. And so there's a lot of times we got to have those discussions too. If somebody comes in and they're in they're in a hundred percent stable market fund, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times they're seeing us because they know that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're like, I, I need some help getting me off of the bench here. You know, I got everything on the sideline. Well, we got to have some money in the game, but we got to yeah, have some, exactly. some on the bench too, just in case something goes wrong. Yeah. I so, mean, we've got to outpace um, inflation, right? We've got to always have something in there for, for dealing with inflation for sure. But again, it's about that risk tolerance for the individual. And we talked a little bit about all this before on the, on the prior episode that there's these universal things that affect us all, right? Like risk, how much are we taking or dealing with inflation or whatever, but it's, it truly is the puzzle piece of the individual need that you're dissecting. And that's really where it's important to kind of do this kind of stuff during the financial red zone. Absolutely. And that's where that that discussion around risk tolerance, to me, a lot of what we we spend our time talking with folks about is, hey, I can't care too much about your feelings, no offense, um, in terms of you know how you feel about the market going up and down. We got to look at the data. We got to run the numbers. And if the numbers say we need X amount in stocks and X amount not in stocks. Right. I'm going to recommend that we do that, even if that means you might have a little bit of fear that we need to talk through and educate and coach 
to where you're like, okay, now I understand. I understand the historical track records. I understand what the volatility looks like and um, how standard deviation works and how we're going to get through these downturns. I mean, we'll coach you through it. Somebody's got to coach you through it where you can get to that good solution and then stick with that plan. Well, I think people want to hear the, they want to hear the straight skinny, right. Versus just a sugar coated version of things. At least most people do in in, in certain walks of life. Maybe you do want more of a sugar coated kind of approach, but I think when it comes to my money for my forever money, uh, no, tell it to me, right. If it's going to, you know, hurt my feelings or tick me off a little bit, so be it, but let's, let's figure it out and dissect it, get, you know, so that I have the information, then I can, make an informed decision. Well, and dude, I, I would tell you, like, there's a lot of these clients that become friends of mine over, over time. Right. But, you know, it's a client first and a friend second, because I'm a fiduciary. Like, we're going to do what's yep. best for you. And if, if I'm recommending something to somebody and it's not in their best interest, but it makes them feel good. Right. First of all, I, I'm not being a fiduciary. And second of all, is yeah. that the kind of friend you want anyways? <laughs> That's a great point, man. I mean, we, I we, mean, we can still go play like, golf after this, but I got to do my job correctly first, right? Yes. And, you know, if we're, you know, having to tell you, you got lettuce in your teeth. I mean, that's the kind of friend <laughs> I want. I want somebody looking out for me and telling me things that I don't want to hear. So, um, oh, yeah, I mean, I think awesome. it's it's definitely one of those things where, we got to build out the plan and then we got to get everybody aligned to the plan. Then we go execute the plan. I love um, it. But the plan hat, the plan can't really care too much about our feelings. I feel um, like, so. I, so we got to get on board with it. I feel like that, that might need to be the title of the podcast. I've got lettuce in my teeth, you know, <laughs> and I need the, I need the right friend to tell me. All right. Well, just a couple more quick questions here. We'll finish up on the financial red zone. So we, we kind of talked about it from maybe the, the, the negative side or the, or the, the, the doom and gloom side, I suppose. But for those ha- that have been paying attention, Scott, and they have been proactive uh, through their life and, and they've done a good job getting there. And it doesn't mean that folks who didn't do a good job doesn't mean you're bad people, right? It just, it's just life. Uh, but, you know, so not all of us make the, the right financial decisions and at every turn. But just for those folks who have done a good job getting, you know, ready and are there at the financial red zone, what are some other little tidbits just to kind of keep in mind for those folks you know, thinking, well, I, I don't have to pay as much attention because I did a good job. What are some things that they should still have on their radar? I mean, one big part I think of here, Mark, is is really around the coaching side. Not to get too into the sports analogies, but if we're talking about football again. Sure. You know, if, if your team has never been in the red zone, you're going to be nervous. You're still going to try to go in there and score, but you're going to be a little unsettled. But if your team is is there and you look over and your coach has been there a thousand times, and you can see it in his eyes or her eyes that they're going to get you in there, then you're feeling really good. So I think that coaching piece is really important. Um, so if, if somebody is going to work with a, a planner or an advisor, that they they got that confidence that they've been there a hundred times and they're going to get them through too. Yep. And then I think, you know, on the individual side, it's like, man, if I have a good plan that I know what I'm going to do when I get there, it's a lot easier to execute. There's no drama. There's no over discussion around different decisions we need to make. We're just implementing a plan. So setting yeah. up a plan many years in advance can be super powerful. I mean, part of the reason we wanted to start this podcast is so we could start to reach our fire when they're a lot younger and get them on the path towards building wealth and leaving the job with a ton of confidence that that when they're entering the red zone, they're not they're not exactly you know, trying to figure out all these decisions they got to make a decade ahead of time and then getting overwhelmed and avoiding them. No, we want them taking these decisions head on and knowing the right decision and making it and then implementing the plan. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you're going out there. You're going out there with confidence in the play you just called in the red zone, so you know you're scoring. Versus uh, kind of scrambling and having to call an audible at the last second, and, and you know, and maybe 
pulling it off, maybe not pulling it off, right? So to kind of use that sports analogy to kind of stick with the financial red zone and tie it up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, great point. So whether you're about to retire or you're a few years out and you need some help and you're you know going down that path and you know, hey, I've got to start putting some focus here. Uh, I've said this before and I'll probably say it a million times on the podcast as we go along, but the age of 50, Scott, and I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, I view it like the kickoff, like Memorial Day, right? Memorial Day is not summer, right? Uh, but we all treat it like the it's the unofficial kickoff to summertime, you know. And so Memorial Day weekend, we start you know open pools and you know have cookouts and we start kind of doing all these summer kind summertime things, even though it's not actually summer. And I feel like the age of fifty is the same thing for retirement. It's not actually retirement, but it's kind of like this unofficial kickoff to where something happens in our brain and we go, oh, I should probably get serious about this. Right. Right. I mean, for the fire folks specifically, I mean, 50 is, um, I mean, that's, that's well into the back half of their career because most right. of them retire younger and sometimes as soon as a decade younger than many other careers. Oh, that's a great point. Um, and, and so, you know, 50 is definitely that time where, you know, a lot of those folks are starting to get their kids out of the house and into college. And, um, I mean, that's a great time where most of them have, you know, about five years left, let's say, okay, okay, um, to start getting those ducks in a row. So that, but that's about as late as I would recommend folks start to get a, a fundamental plan together. And again, a lot of this stuff is not super, super complicated and complex. There's a handful of things that if we do different with time on our side, make a huge difference with the power mm. of compounding returns. But yeah, right around 50, five years out. I mean, if, if you know, being 45, being 10 years out, even better okay. to really get out in front of it and have a good plan and make sure you're just going out and implementing the plan versus chasing it later uh, under duress. That's going to do it this week for the podcast. Thanks for hanging out here with us on Leaving the Job, the premier financial podcast for firefighters with Scott Osborne, the firefighters advisor at Patriot Wealth planners don't forget to subscribe to us on apple or spotify or youtube and you can find all the information at retirefirefighter.com that's retirefirefighter.com or you can book some time with scott at callosborne.com information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.